0: Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere. A nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to Ricknow.org. Enjoy the show. Three on one. Spagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book. And send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top of the Kings record. Oh, well, I like to see Fox force 5 in the
1: open court. into the lane. Oh, you don't like that. You don't like Kings basketball. Oh. Welcome back to another episode of the Kings Sports Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunes. We have no Rich Ivanowski on here today, but we have... A different guest. We have Dave Deuce Mason. What's going on, Dave? How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I appreciate
0: you uh, having me on. It's been a while. Uh, I believe I joined you on a previous podcast before, but uh, it's good to talk with you again.
1: Oh, wow. You were on the first King show I was on. That somebody, so for a while, I ran a podcast network with a friend. Um, there's been multiple adventures that somehow led to this. And, yeah, we had a guy come on, do a King's show, and he needed a co-host. And I hopped on, and you came on that show. People are not going to know about that yeah. show, anyone listening to this. I forgot about that.
0: Yeah, that was, I think it was last year. Yeah, yeah. You know, year or two or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a little bit, but I appreciate you coming on uh, again, man. And <laughs> I think yesterday you and I both were at these um, Black Lives Matters Protests uh, that happened in downtown Sac, and there was a lot of members of the Kings there as well. And um, I mean, for me, it was just it was an extremely powerful experience. There were great speeches from so many people that are part of the organization in the city. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on on just being there. And to me, what is going to be a day that I'll remember for the rest of my life? I, I think you nailed it when you said powerful. Uh, that's what I felt. Um,
0: obviously what's gone on, not just the last week, week plus, but we're talking about hundreds of years now, it just—it needs to stop. You know, we all have to be better. And like you, I wanted to be out there because I wanted to show my support. I don't want to be silent. You know, I want to keep learning and educating myself. And being out there, just seeing so many people in downtown Sacramento marching. You, You felt it. You felt the emotion. Yeah. It was just a, it was a really powerful day. It was it was great. I left feeling good that there could be some positive change in the future. and It's not going to be easy. It's not like you got to keep this momentum rolling, and you, it's going to be a long, long fight. But I think I was encouraged by what by what I saw yesterday.
1: Definitely, I think that things are headed in the right direction. I'm hopeful and optimistic that this will change the world. Um, in a better way, long term, and there's no real easy segue off of that, um, but we're going to kind of get into your background a little bit. I've been doing a series that, by the way, any listener, or if you have one, I've had terrible trouble naming this series, and I settled on a super bland and vanilla getting to know, uh, which is so terrible, but that's what I've settled with, and you're up on this one, and usually the question I start with, Deuce, is what got you into basketball in the first place?
0: Oh, man, great question. Uh, I was young. I remember my first memories of basketball. I was five years old, and I saw this seven-foot monster dunk a basketball, and for whatever reason, it attracted me to the game, and that was Shaquille O'Neal when he played in Orlando. And growing up, it was like Shaq and Penny. I wanted to watch them all every game, you know. Anytime they were on NBC – on uh, those Sunday afternoon games, I'd want to watch them. And that really drew me to the game. And, you know, I had a lot going on in my life as a kid with, you know, my dad being in a prison, kind of a wild home life. And sports to me was just a distraction. And it was comforting to watch these athletes do unbelievable things. So I would say, yeah, I was, I was five years old, 93 1993. I, I just remember watching Shaq and Penny, and I was obsessed with Shaq as a kid. I don't know some Kings fans are like, "What you like Shaq growing up?" No, it's I, I didn't like him when he went to the Lakers. <laughs> Orlando. But Shaq. I did. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> I, I don't, and I gotta be honest, man. I was the kid uh, in Carmichael growing up, going to Schweitzer Elementary School, and I was wearing Shaq Orlando gear. Like I was. I'm telling you, I had
1: Shaq books. I had Shaq everything.
0: Uh, I was obsessed with with the guy, and that's what drew me to the game.
1: Interesting. Okay. And like you said, you're from the area. So that eventually just led to you uh, following the Kings. Yeah. I think,
0: you know, as a kid, you know, when you're really young, you just, you fall in love with players first and then you kind of select teams. And as you know, I grew older, it was fall Mitch Richmond. And then, you know, later on, never forget fifth grade. It was 98, 99, Jason Williams, right? That that squad. And we were all obsessed with Jay Will and C. Webb. And, what they brought, that excitement they brought, the flair they brought to the court. And it, it really made me fall deeper in love with the game because we had never seen anything like it. And I've talked to so many people outside Sacramento about this, broadcasters from Mike Breen to Kevin Harlan, uh, to former players, and they all reference those teams, those Kings teams as some of the most entertaining teams that they've ever watched. And, I mean, that says something. When Kevin Harlan, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. I was working on this series that should come out, I don't know when, a few months from now. But, anyway, and he was saying that Jason Williams was his favorite player to watch during that time. And we're talking about, yeah, Kobe (laughs) Kobe Bryant was playing in the NBA. We had a lot of great players. But Jason Williams captured the attention of the NBA world, and he captured my attention growing up.
1: Yeah, understandably. And, and did you always sort of have an idea in the back of your mind that you know you wanted to make a job out of sports for yourself?
0: I knew I wanted to be in media. I had this obsession with wanting to, whether it's be on TV, uh, sports broadcasting, I would call – I would listen to the radio all the time. I would call DJs and request songs and try to talk to them. I used to call Good Day Sacramento. Uh, the TV station in town, and try to talk to Gary Gelfand, who was doing sports at the time. Um, And I remember they would transfer me over to, like, Marcus Allen, and he'd pick up the phone, and here's an eight-, nine-year-old kid trying to ask him questions about TV. And then uh, as I got older, I started to realize, man, I really want to do this. And so, yeah, I I, I fell in love. and And the Kings were starting to get really good at that point, right? So we start moving into the early 2000s. We're talking about... prime years for me as I'm in middle school, going into high school, and I was just dead set on. I wanted to work as a sports broadcaster. I was obsessed with sports radio. I'd call sports radio shows as a kid. I would take a tape recorder out, record myself doing play-by-play. I just had this mindset that I was going to get into sports broadcasting.
1: Yeah, and my understanding is you were very active in chasing that. I mean, is it correct that you were an intern at KHTK when you were 16?
0: Yeah, 16. I got lucky. You know, and I used to be on this message board that no longer exists called kingstalk.com. Someone on there knew someone at KHTK, and I kept bugging them. I'm like, I, I want to intern so bad, and I kept getting back. You know, you can't intern until you're 18. You got to get college credit. I kept bugging, kept bugging. Eventually, they let me come in, and I was 16 years old. I'd go in after school. Uh, the first show I ever was a part of was uh, the 9 to Midnight show at the time. They had a 9 to Midnight local show called Monty Tell Midnight, and I interned on there, which just included me just being quiet, understanding, like, I'm 16 years old. I'm not really supposed to be here. They're letting me, so I'm just going to be quiet. I'm going to observe. I screened phone calls that came in. And then, you know, as I kept interning there, my role kind of expanded where I'd be like, okay, instead of doing nine to midnight, I would do a four to midnight shift. So I would screen calls on the rest of the shows. And, you know, then I I kind of earned trust and they allowed me to learn some other things. But, yeah, I just kind of bugged, bugged, bugged and was lucky enough to get that opportunity.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely got to do that sometimes. And and what were some of your experiences there and then, also, uh, I believe that you were a uh, an anchor for a local TV station for a while, right?
0: Yeah, my experience at KSGK, I mean, I, I, by the time I graduated from high school in 2006, um, I got hired on part-time as a board operator, so I was controlling the microphones and commercial breaks and music and all that stuff. But I was just pumped up because it was like my chance to get in the door. I was going to call for I eventually got full-time over at KSGK, which allowed me to worked behind the scenes on this old morning show called The Rise Guys. The Rise Guys eventually got an opportunity to work at a new sports station in San Francisco. I interviewed for a job down there to be their producer. And I went down there for a year, came back, started working at KHDK, and I got more on-air opportunities. Eventually got paired with Jason Ross, and that's really where I felt my career started to um, go in the direction I really wanted to go. I wanted to be on-air. I wanted to do a talk show. Um, So that was a lot of fun. We did that with Jay Ross and Morgan Reagan for a few years, and then KSJK ultimately decided that uh, they needed a boost in the morning, so they moved me and Morgan to the morning show with Carmichael Dave, and that show just didn't click. It just didn't work out, and they uh, decided to let us go, uh, me and Morgan go, and that was uh, a a tough time. But it also put things in perspective, and I was like, okay, what are we going to do? We got to dust ourselves off. We got to figure it out. So we launched a podcast, and then the TV thing happened kind of – it was a bizarre way. Like, they reached out right after uh, I got let go from KHGK, and they said, hey, would you have any interest in doing TV? Would you like to try out? I'm like, yeah, I've definitely been interested in doing TV before. So I tried out. It went well, and then I started doing Good Day Sacramento, and it allowed me to uh, get that TV experience. Because sometimes in this business, you get labeled certain things. You're, you're a radio guy or – hey, you're a TV you, – you, you haven't done TV before. you got to go to all these different markets. My path was a little bit different. That was fine, and I did the Good Day Sacramento thing, and I enjoyed it. It was an opportunity for me to show my personal, personality a little bit. They let me be me, which was great, and I, I got a chance to anchor a little bit too. So it, it was definitely a, a fun time.
1: Yeah, what was that transition to a TV like? I mean, what are the – major differences between radio and TV aside from obviously just being able to, people being able to see your face while you're talking? And, and was it a smooth transition for you? Do you feel like radio had you prepared for that? I do think radio had me prepared for it because with talk radio, you've got you to
0: carry content for 20 minutes, you know, a 20-minute segment. And it's got to keep, you got to keep it moving. So going to Good Day Sacramento where they ask you to do a segment that's like two to three minutes long? I was like, great, (laughs) you know, as long as I know what I'm talking about, as long as I'm prepared, and I got to keep things moving, and so, yeah, with radio, you need to, and talk shows, or podcasting, whatever, you got to keep the conversation moving, and I feel like that's one of my strengths, so I actually thought the transition was easier than I thought it would be, don't get it twisted, I was nervous at first, it was a new experience, you know, you're, you're wondering, okay, um, am i look do I have the presence you know do am i do I look scared on t v you know the first couple of weeks I probably was a little bit scared, but I got more and more comfortable, and I think I just got to a point in my career where I don't really worry about messing up you know i it you're gonna mess up your sentences you're gonna make mistakes you just gotta keep rolling like it's it's human nature I'm gonna make mistakes talking on this podcast right now. It's not a big deal so that's what I, my mindset was. is just go out there, be myself, bring the energy, have a little personality, and
1: uh, I feel like that's what I did there. Yeah, And you have a very bright personality to you. Like, you, you're just very upbeat okay. all the times. I feel like. And I, I don't know how accurate this is, but it does feel very WWE-ish. And what I understand <laughs> is that, that you are a big fan of that. Like, do you feel that, you know, being able to – to hype things up and just get so excited at something and transfer that energy. Do you feel it sort of comes from that?
0: Yeah. I've I've tried to tone that down a little bit too, because I don't, you know, I mean, I want to be positive. I want to have that energy. You know, I like to joke around a little bit and I think it's a fun way to market the podcast and show my personality. Yeah. I love, I love wrestling growing up. It was the same thing with, uh, I talked about Shaq growing up. I watched the NBA, but I was also watching a ton of WWF at the time. And, Fall in love with those guys and that was a big part of my youth too and the way they hype things up i I try to hype some things up sometimes and so yeah i like to have fun i mean ultimately sports is fun right this conversation is supposed to be fun and that's how i look at it yeah i think sometimes sports shows or sports personalities maybe take things a little too serious at times when they're talking about games when they're talking about players and legacies and look those conversations are so fun to have but ultimately it's just sports like let's laugh let's have a good time. We can be serious, we can learn something, we can laugh, and I think those are the most important things.
1: There's no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports you can get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And live right now on BetOnline's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Carwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling The Final Dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. I think that that upbeat energy allows and makes people do that a bit more often. And and then you eventually transition, and I might be skipping over some steps here, to being the play-by-play announcer for the Stockton Kings, which I feel like that's where that really comes into handy. I mean, it's kind of your job to hype things up at times. Um, How did that opportunity present itself?
0: Well, when I was still at KHDK, I also got hired on by the Kings in 2013 to be a radio producer And eventually, I, you know, after years, after the KGK thing ended, I was still doing Kings. But it was kind of a seasonal, full-time seasonal gig. So I was doing that and Good Day Sacramento. And eventually, uh, the Kings asked to bring me on full-time year-round. So that's why I left Good Day Sacramento, because I wanted to pursue that opportunity. You know, that included doing radio stuff, digital stuff, a whole bunch, like a lot of different things. And I enjoyed that. So when I found out the Reno Bighorns were going to relocate to Stockton, I thought, look, I got to put my name in the hat to see if there's an opportunity. I knew that they were going to have some sort of broadcast digitally, uh, sometimes on TV, too. So I went to the president of the team, John Reinhart, and said, hey, I would love the opportunity. Let me know. I'd love to talk about it. A couple months went by, didn't hear anything, and then someone Uh, with the Kings reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, do you think you're ready for this? We want you to do it. And so I said, absolutely. And uh, I got that chance. And it's been such a fun experience. I've learned a lot. You know, I I like to think that from season one, game one, I'm better now. You know what I mean? Like I I, I get the chance to go back and I I watch all my games. I take notes. I try to break things down. I'm aware of the things I got to do to get better. And, I've loved it. It's been so fun. The G League's fun. It's a great style of play. They do some weird things, and it's also cool to see some of these players who get the opportunity call their games in the G League, and then they get the opportunity to play in the NBA and have success, like Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson. You know, the Kings have had some players down there too. So, I mean, I've just loved doing it.
1: Yeah, the Stockton environment seems seems great. Um, I've only been able to make it out to one game at the at the new stadium, but I mean, it seems like a great environment. Everyone that I talk to from the team and that goes witnesses the games, all all absolutely love it. And, and you're a part of that as well. And and Mo does that with you, uh, Morgan Reagan. And what was that just simple enough that you know you <laughs> guys were already doing the podcast together? Um and and it seems to work that naturally you seem to be more of a play-by-play guy and she's a color analyst.
0: Yeah, she she wanted to do some work as a color analyst and I think at first she thought maybe I, mean, I could be sidelines, but she knows the game and you know she's played she played at Sierra College, she played at a high level locally and she wanted to uh, experience the color analyst role and they asked her to do it. And she was on board and obviously we have that chemistry from the podcast doing radio together. And so I, I think it's been a pretty good fit.
1: Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. And we're going to definitely get her on the show here soon and have her part of my poorly named series, breaking uh, <laughs> getting people getting to know all these people. Um, And I wanted to ask you this at the top. I totally forgot about it. Where did this Deuce nickname come from? Do you just like throw up peace signs all the time? Are you stinking up bathrooms? Where did the <laughs> nickname come from? I wish
0: it was a better story. Uh, at first, I got to be honest, I don't like it, but I kind of just, learn to embrace it um so when I was working, obviously there's another Dave who works there um so when I was an intern 16 years old uh the show the show host Monty uh Tim Montemayor started calling me Deuce because I'm, I'm Dave and I'm also from Carmichael so they started calling me Deuce and then it kind of just stuck everyone started calling me Deuce and so I just decided okay might as well just embrace it and so I just kind of roll with it. It's weird. It is. I mean, sometimes it's awkward because I, you know, my friends growing up, they call me Dave. They still call me Dave. But now everyone who's known me after high school, is they call me Deuce. So it's kind of this bizarre nickname that just kind of stuck with me. I wish it was a better story than that, but there's really not a better story.
1: you got to make up one. I'll help you out with that. I know. We'll, we'll I know. think of something. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so there obviously with the complicated Grant Napier situation, there's gonna be an opening at the Sacramento Kings play by play spot. Are you interested in potentially filling that role if the opportunity were to present itself? So?
0: It's one of thirty jobs in the NBA, so my answer is absolutely. And to me it's it's one of those things that just thinking about it, I get fired up You know, I don't know what's going to happen with that role. Obviously, it's going to be a competitive. um, I mean, think about the amount of people who are going to be trying to get that gig, and so it's going to be a competitive thing. But I think I'm ready for the moment. I know I got a long way to go to be this great broadcaster. I've got plenty to learn, but I know it's much more than a play-by-play gig. I'm from Sacramento, and to me, it's we all know that this community is just different, right? Like it's not just you come on and do games. Like there's a big responsibility that comes with that role and I'm ready to take it on. And I, I love, like, I've seen a lot of the social media stuff that I, I've been mentioning I appreciate people reaching out and saying nice things about me. You know, I've also seen some of the doubters out there who, you know, don't know if I'm ready for it. And that's all fair. Like I'm, I, I I'm totally fine with the feedback I'm getting, but I've been kind of doubted a lot in my career, whether it's, I don't know if he's ready to host a radio show, he's 23, or the stuff I got on TV when people at the TV station said, you know, I, I don't know if he's ready. He hasn't been in other markets. Or the fact that I didn't do play-by-play before this gig. I don't know if he's ready to do play-by-play. And I like to think that I have shown the ability to do these things. So my past is different. I understand that I don't have 25 years of, calling nba games but i think i could grow into it and um we'll see ultimately how i look at it is whether it's me or someone else i know my time will come whether it's in sacramento or elsewhere so i'm optimistic like i i I love this career path i love calling games i love talking sports and i've given up predicting the future in this business i wouldn't have predicted this path for me and it's worked out so my mindset is I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep working hard. I'm going to keep trying to grow and get better in this field. And I think it'll all work out.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely an advocate of you taking the job, man. I think that there's a part of, I mean, getting to grow with the announcer almost um, that that I think would be great. And obviously you have some experience, like you're saying, from being from the area and everything. I'm I'm all for it, man. I'll do my best to pro- <laughs> promote okay. it. And, look it,
0: I appreciate it, seriously, and a lot of people are saying nice things, but, like, no matter who gets it, the person's going to be talented. Like, my guy Jason Ross is a guy – Jason Ross is one of my best friends, and he's a true professional. He's called NBA games. He called Sacramento Monarchs games. He still calls Sac State games. He's another guy that would be amazing, and most of all, he's a great person, and he understands that this is a bigger – and basketball job like you understand the having a role in the community and, and doing good things so again I would love nothing more for someone locally to have that opportunity but look it's it's not up to me and again I will not be upset if it wasn't me I'm not trying this is I'm still young in my career I got a long way to go I got a lot to work on um but I would obviously love that opportunity
1: yeah definitely and um I think that that's probably most of what I have for you, Deuce. Um, do you feel like there are aspects of the job that you do, whether it be the the podcast that you run or working with the Kings, uh, either Sacramento or Stockton, that sort of the idea of this was to give people a behind-the-scenes look? Do you feel like there's aspects that go on behind the scenes that people don't realize the amount of time going into these, these bits and pieces that they're seeing?
0: Yeah, I, I think with any role within the King's organization, there's a lot that goes into any role. Obviously when game time hits, it seems like, oh no, you're just calling a game for my for my friend Scott Freshour, he just goes on the court and throws out T shirts and says, Make noise. No, that guy puts in so much work, he's responsible for a ton that goes into the game day experience and people don't see that he's coming in at eight AM on a game day and, you know, leaving that building at eleven. At night, he loves what he does, and he does a great job doing it. Um, For me, I I think the biggest thing that maybe people don't know about broadcasters, at least people who have a great passion for it, for me, I love prep. To me, you've got to be ready to go. Whether you're doing a radio show, whether you're doing a podcast, when you're doing a game, you have a responsibility to the people who are watching and listening to tell a great story. And so when I'm preparing for an NBA G League game, You know, I don't care if there's one person watching or a million people watching. It doesn't change how I call a game. I am going to prepare. I'm going to look up everything I need to know on every single player, um, relevant stats. And that's like my favorite part about it, especially in the G League, because a lot of these guys I don't even know, right, going into it because there's so much change, right? You may have some uh, names you remember from them playing college ball or maybe they've had a stint in the NBA but you get to learn so much about these guys and that's what's so fun about it. I love the preparation that goes into it and then you go to a game day and you you know you're getting to the arena early three o'clock for a seven eight a seven p.m. tip and you're talking to coaches you're watching warm-ups and it's just that anticipation before the ball goes up and then when the ball goes up some of the prep that you do you may not even use but it's there because you need to be ready for everything and um, I just love that aspect, and, and being so working so closely with Jason Ross and Gary Gerald, two just absolute pros. I've seen what they do prep wise. Gary Gerald is the man when it comes mm-hmm. to prep. That guy got his charts, he,
1: Yeah, we he had scared. him on here. He he showed us some of his crazy oh, papers in front of him.
0: It is crazy. Now I don't do handwriting because I want not be able to read my handwriting. But you know I do it uh, on the computer, and I, I love that part of it. And I see what he puts in, and I'll never forget Doug Christie, when he was first getting into broadcasting, he came up. He came up to the radio booth. He was helping out in radio at the time, and he had a chart similar to G-Man's. I'm like, wow, Doug, how would you get that? He goes, I'll never forget when I used to do my post-game interviews with G-Man, I would see how he prepped. So I wanted to do the same thing because I think that's the way to do it. It was cool to see someone like Doug Christie just have that, uh, mindset and and notice that. But, yeah, it, I, I've learned a lot from being around uh, some pretty talented broadcasters.
1: Yeah, do you, So you have a lot of paperwork in front of you when you're calling these games? I do. I mean, I have uh, both rosters with stats,
0: notes. I like to find some cool, unique things about a player's background, right, whether he's got, like, a famous relative that I can just throw in there or something or some crazy adversity, that the players overcome. That's the thing I like because if I'm watching the game, I want to, I do want to learn something about a player. You know, the, all these players have pretty incredible stories, whether it's overcoming injuries or uh, things that have happened in their personal life. The one I always think of is Caleb Swanigan. who obviously Kings fans know Caleb a little bit, but he, he was homeless. Like, he grew up in a really tough environment. The guy was, extremely overweight when he was a young, young kid. And here he is. He had to fight and claw to make it to the NBA, eventually becoming a first-round pick of the Blazers. I love that. Those are the stories that I think can inspire people watching games too. So I like to come up with random facts. And then, you know, of course, I try to look up stats that I think are unique, you know, trends, last five games, last ten games, you know, previous – opponent stuff, you know, career highs, all that fun stuff. So when it when you're ready, when it's game time and something crazy is happening, you're ready to talk about it. You're prepared for almost anything.
1: Yeah. And do you have uh sort of taglines that have developed over about two years that you've been doing it, right? Like, you know, obviously Grants Classics. If you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball, oh boy, blah blah blah. Do you have you developed any taglines like that quite yet? I don't know that I
0: have. If I have, it's kind of been organic. I don't – people always ask me, oh, have you thought of something cool? Have you thought of some (laughs) taglines? I bet those get thrown your way all the time with ideas. My mindset is it'll come to me. It's just going to – it'll happen if it happens. I don't want to be the person that's sitting at home coming up with taglines that I think could work on a broadcast. You know, I think I, I like to react to what's happening in front of me as opposed to, okay, if uh, if Harry Giles has a crazy dunk, here's what I'm going
1: to say. I don't really right. want to do
0: that. I just want to act organically. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, it'll come at some point. I definitely yeah. agree there. It has to be organic. Um, but, but it, yeah, I, I think that's most of what I have for you, Deuce. Is, uh, is there anything else that you want to get out there as if you don't have your own platform? <laughs>
0: Uh No, I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, and I appreciate the kind words, and um I'm ready for some basketball, like I think most fans are. I'm so ready to watch the NBA, and hopefully the Kings can do well in those eight games and get into the playoffs. It's crazy to think they haven't made the playoffs since 2006. I was a senior in high school, high school at Del Campo. I was at Game 6 Kings Spurs the final uh, playoff game that the Kings have had, and I didn't think we'd be talking about the Kings not making the playoffs since then. I mean, that's, it's a long time, but hopefully it turns. And uh, I just, um, I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate all the Kings fans out there, dude. Kings Twitter cracks me up. <laughs> we overreact. We get way too high. We get way too low. But it's a fun community, and I, I'm serious. I don't think there's anything like it. Like I know people say that a lot about fan bases, but to me, There's nothing like Sacramento, and I don't think you understand it until you go and experience other fan bases. But you can talk to players, you can talk to broadcasters. Once you're in it and you kind of embrace Sacramento, you understand what they're about.
1: Right. I I definitely feel it moving here not all too long ago. I mean, just being around Warrior fans a lot, being from the Bay Area. Warriors have great fans, um, but obviously a lot of their stadium kind of got overtaken by... Silicon Valley suits rather than jerseys, Um, but yeah, Sacramento fans are are ridiculous. I mean, everywhere you go around here, it's Kings fans. You see it on their license plate, bumper stickers. Everybody's got merch that they're wearing around all the time, and they genuinely know the game and are following the team um, somewhat religiously for a lot of people, and it's just amazing to uh, be a part of that community, and you are a great contributor to that as well, and I can't thank you enough for coming on the show, man, and I'm sure we'll have your co-host Mo on at some point in the future as well.
0: Well, thanks again for having me, and I I wish you the best of luck, man. Uh, Stay in touch.
1: Will do. Thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of the Kings Falls Podcast. You'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.